Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You are listening to Rum Bunter Radio, episode 20. Marty Leap, Nick Caparoso, Trey Yannity with you again. The Pittsburgh Pirates have finally called up Cabrian Hayes. And when he came up, gentlemen, he showed it all. A home run in game number one, tied the game there, tied the game in extra innings on the base pass. He had a double in his debut as well. Looked, you know, really all the way around solid, five tools. It was great to see. He's now had 18 at-bats. He's hitting 389. Uh, two RBIs. He's scored four runs. It's been great so far. Let's get right into it with Cabrian Hayes. Marty, I know you have been excited to see this debut for so long. Nick, you as well. Um, what were you guys most excited about? What you know? What was what was your favorite thing about game number one? And I guess really this first week for Cabrian Hayes. I think what I've liked most from Cabrian Hayes has been the offense. Um, I think that'd be the case no matter what. But considering coming up through the minor leagues, the one potential concern of Hayes was always his offense. Uh, I mean, obviously, he has absolutely killed the ball so far. He's already got his first home run, first double, first triple out of the way. You know, his average exit velocity has been almost 97 miles an hour. He's just tattooing the baseball. He already has a 16.7% barrel rate. It's just, It's insane what he's doing right now at the plate and just how hard he's hitting the ball how high of a quality of contact he's making. And in the offseason, you know, it's been talked about a bunch on here included, the the effort he made to put the ball on the ground less because of how hard he was hitting the ball in the minors last year. And his big issue was too many ground balls. And, you know, he has come out. Clearly, whatever he was working on has worked. He is just tattooing the baseball, and it, it's paying off. And I mean, again, it's what twenty plate appearances or whatever. But Key Brian Hayes looks like an absolute budding superstar for the Pirates. Yeah, I agree, Marty. Uh, the obviously the big question marks was going to be. I don't think so much. I always thought Hayes would turn into a fine hitter, but you know, the the big thing was going to be how much power would he develop? And obviously, that's big in today's game. Um, but you know, a big difference between a good third baseman and all-star third baseman. So like you said, right now he's hitting the ball really hard. It's something he's always done. And you mentioned, you know, the launch angle thing uh, in, in the limited plate appearances right now is launch angles at like 5.4 MLB average is like 12. So, you know, we still want to see that get up a little bit more, but you know, once again, that's part of just the fact that he's only had, you know, a handful of plate appearances. Uh, the, the other thing that's really stood out for me is, he just looks comfortable. He hasn't looked overwhelmed at all. He gets up there and he he's giving professional at bats and he looks clean in the field. He's making smart decisions on the base paths. Like, you know, he looks just like a, 
a good ball player who, you know, has been playing in the league for a couple of years, you know, not, not his first week. So I think that's what's impressed me the most also is maturity. Uh, you got to figure a lot of that, you know, comes from home with his dad also and growing up around the game. But yeah, I think if you can see him continue to tap in his power and with just his RA, you know, advanced feel for how to handle the game, I, I think, you know, we definitely got someone to be excited about here. It's so great to see a guy like that get up after so much anticipation. And, you know, really, it was only, I guess, one at bat in before we saw the dude succeed. And, um, you know, confidence is so key. And like you said, Nick, he just he's not showing any any lack of it, really. He's, he's just providing so much energy, always has a smile on his face. Uh, you know, he's always ready to go. Even in, even when he's had a batted bat, exactly. you know, the next time out, he looks, you know, ready to go and gets a base hit. Like Exactly. He had, you know, it, three strikeouts yeah. in a row in game two and still came out in the bat number four and looked confident. Exactly. And, I mean, that's all you can ask for, too, is, uh, you know, to for him to continue to get the chances to prove that, you know, he – might you know he'll have bad games here and there but if he can prove that you know he'll have more good games than bad games that's all that matters great to see and um you know really just it's it's so fun we we talked about it a lot last episode it's so fun to watch the future begin to come together this is it you know you you have i think you know you can make the argument for certain guys maybe even Cole Tucker was the first of this round but this is really the beginning of the future for the Pirates and Cabrian Hayes comes up and makes headlines on night number one out of the gate. Excellent to see the Pirates did fall in that game. Such a weird ball game. It really felt like the Pirates were just destined to win without, you know, with the way everything was going with the implications of Hayes coming up, they, they couldn't win the game. Um, it lasted about five hours after the delays and everything else and extra innings loss. Uh, they would end up only getting one game from the Cubs in the series in the uh, the matinee game number three. They would then host the Cincinnati Reds this past weekend, a doubleheader on Friday. Uh, they, they would split that series there. Some positives to take away from this series. Some negatives also. Trevor Williams it just didn't have it. Didn't have it um, allowing five runs, ditching the windup. We, what do we what do we expect from guys like Trevor Williams throughout the rest of this season? Williams is an interesting one. Uh, Nick and I actually for the game Saturday night. Nick was at my house and we're watching the game. We we're talking about Williams and we mentioned how we had discussed this earlier with friend of the podcast David Slucer. How all of a sudden Williams might be a non tender candidate this off season, like. Yeah, you look at his numbers and they're 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 pretty ugly. You know, he started the year strong, but he's really struggled lately, and this makes it two years in a row of Williams just not being good. And you know, you, you're talking about an ERA over six. You know, last year his ERA was around six. His he he's giving up hard contact. The hitters are barreling the ball off of him. Like you got to wonder. If these struggles continue over the course of the next two, three, four starts, do we see the Pirates non-tender him this offseason and look to move in another direction, especially with, you know, Chad Cole struggled a little bit yesterday, but I think a lot of that was because he had appeared to be having a blister issue. You know, he's pitched well. 
Jameson Tyone's back next year. JT Brubaker's pitched well this year. You know, you have some younger guys that you're going to want to give extended looks to. So I, it wouldn't shock me if Williams struggles down the stretch and we see him get non-tendered this offseason. Yeah, it's really quite surprising because, you know, leading into the deadline, it looked like Williams was going to be a potential trade chip who's going to bring back a couple guys. And, you know, it's another one of those things you wonder if, you know, if they had any concrete offers out there that, you know, that they, they might be looking back and wondering if they should have, you know, pushed harder to move them before the things really blew up. But you also have to wonder how much, you know, that maybe necessarily wasn't actually true. And, uh, it's not like Williams has been very good, like you said, Mario, the last two years. So can't imagine there was a huge market for him. But, you know, I'm looking at his numbers. Uh, the What's concerning to me is the fact that this year they wanted him to start throwing his curveball more. And, you know, they, they said that that was going to be a little bit of a difference maker for him, and it really hasn't. Um, you know, they're throwing it a little more, but it's still – you know, he's only thrown it about 7% of the time. Um, and quite honestly, this, the, his spin rates on his breaking pitches are not anything that really gets you too excited. So I, it's not hard to see why he's getting hit around um, a little bit this year. Uh, other than his four-seam fastball, all his other pitches, batters are hitting over 300 against his sliders which he's earned 170 times this year is getting hit at a 393 uh, clip with a 679 slugging percentage. Uh, it's one of those things, uh, you know, why, why are we continuing to throw the slider if it's getting hammered away like that? You know, his curveball, you know, once again, it's not like he couldn't be throwing that maybe a little more. So I do wonder if we'll maybe start to see them, you know, we saw him go from the stretch this last game, try some different stuff. Uh, I, but that's one thing I'd like to see is him get away from that slider a little bit more and maybe try to throw a couple more curveballs here. And I don't know, because if not, then, you know, with him being an arbitration and everything and the natural raise he'll get, they'll probably look to move on from him. It's interesting, you know, so many of these guys have gotten – so much better this year getting to work under Oscar Marine, but T-Dub's just one of those guys that hasn't made that leap yet. He hasn't really improved at all. Frustrating and sad, but if the Pirates have to move on, that's just the move for the future they need to make. But this bullpen. Real quick, if I could if I could make a note. Uh, so Williams' first year of arbitration this year paid him $2.8 million. So, you know, usually your first year of arbitration, you can almost double it. Um, you know, so you're talking that he could begin upwards of around four to five million in that range. So, you know, it's a nice chunk of change that, you know, you're paying a million for per ERA point at that point. You know, you don't want to be doing that. Certainly not. You can't be doing that. Um, and I, it's tough with Trevor because he was one of the the guys, him, I think, and Joe Musgrove. Yeah. I don't want to speak bad about the guy. I mean, he's battled. He's been very good for a lot of bad teams here for the last exactly. few years. And he's been, you know, a great guy. He's done nothing but take the ball and be a professional. It just seems like for some reason, all of a sudden, it's not working. It's just not there. And he's such a great clubhouse presence, too. So funny on Twitter and everything else, you know. It's um, it's sad. But hopefully he figures it out before we get to that point. Um, 
but he just didn't have it on Saturday. In Sunday's game, the Pirates came back and walked off the Cincinnati Reds. But the biggest story, I think, Sunday, really all weekend, and kind of the biggest strength for this team for the past couple weeks has been this bullpen. I mean, oh, my goodness, these guys have – credit to Oscar Marine. They've come so far since the beginning of the season. And it's really – I think it's getting the right guys to the opportunity. We're starting to see that. And Derek Shelton is, is using this bullpen to his advantage so far. Yeah, one one thing I said on Twitter during the game on Sunday was it was nice to see. I thought Shelton managed the bullpen terrific on Sunday. I mean, the Pirates were down by a run, and he went to his A guys. He went to Hartley, he went to Howard, Stratton, Richrod, Turley to keep them within a run, which put them in position to walk it off and get the win. Um, Joe Block tweeted this yesterday that this was the first time since 2006 that the Pirate bullpen had a game where they pitched six innings and allowed one hit and no runs. Like, that's that's ridiculous. And, yeah, entering yesterday, since the start of play on August 20th, the Pirates' bullpen had a 297 ERA, which is the fifth lowest ERA in baseball during that stretch, and they added six scoreless innings to that yesterday. I, I mean, that entire series, man, the, the bullpen is the reason the Pirates split that series and didn't lose the series. It is the one and only reason why. I mean, over the course of the weekend against the Reds, the bullpen pitched 14 and two-thirds of an inning. The only run they gave up was the solo home run Derek Holland allowed. And outside of that, they only gave up four hits. They struck out 13 batters. They only walked five. Like, if you're not putting men on base, you're going to a bunch of strikeouts. You're, you're, you're going to be in good shape. And I think it's good to see because I know we've kind of talked about this a little bit in the past. Like, you take Jeff Hartley, you take Nick Turley, you take Stratton, you take Sam Howard, you throw in Blake Cedarland when he gets here, you throw in Nick Birdie if he can get healthy next year, and, like, all of a sudden, that's one heck of a nice little core for your bullpen. So there's definitely something to be had right there for the Pirate bullpen. I think you said Trey Oscar Marine deserves a ton of credit because this bullpen has been lights out lately, and I I – covered this on Twitter a few weeks ago, but if you took out, I think it was Doivitis Nebrowskis, Robbie Erlin, Miguel Del Pozo, and Yaxel Rios, you know, three of which aren't even on the roster anymore. You take away those four guys and the team's ERA drops by like half a run. So a lot of the bullpen struggles have been just those four guys. The bullpen has been a lot better this year than people realize. Speaking of the bullpen, you know, the, the starter of that game, JT Brubaker, uh, continuing to look very strong. Um, you know, this is something we've talked about with him. Will he project better as a starter or a reliever going forward? You know, right now, I, you know, I just like the fact that he's getting uh, starting opportunities. I think something we can confidently say is that he would be a very effective reliever for this team. Uh, so it's going forward. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up. If he continues to start, obviously, and pitch as effective as he has, there's a good chance he has a shot to be in the rotation next year. But if not, he definitely is another guy that could, you know, be a part of that bullpen. And, you know, we can definitely feel some confidence in on top of Cody Ponce, too, who, you know, I think might – we've talked about before too. fit into that long term, uh, long reliever type 
uh, for the Pirates next year in the bullpen just because he's more of a two-pitch guy. But I think that you're looking at two guys there who have been, you know, pitching well and will definitely be part of this bullpen going forward, if not the rotation. Definitely. JT, JT Brubaker just continues to roll. And, you know, he really – he allowed two runs on Sunday, but still just looking so smooth and confident. Great to see from all these guys. Rich Rod is one that I want to highlight too. I mean, man, the turnaround that this guy has made. You know, you remember – I feel like it was maybe our first or second episode of the season. <laughs> we were talking about Kyle Crick. We were ready to cut him. Yeah, we. it was, you know – what can we do to get this guy off of our team? And now, I mean, hell, he's going to be the best setup guy moving forward. We can we can ask for hopefully. So we'll see what happens there. But great to see this bullpen turn it around and continue to have a solid weekend. The Pirates will welcome the Chicago White Sox to town for a two-game set beginning tomorrow, Tuesday. Uh, but on Wednesday, a really special I guess kind of ceremony event honor is going on to the great Roberto Clemente. The whole team will be wearing the number 21 to honor the legend and not just the pirates, but any Puerto Rican baseball player in the majors is allowed to wear the number 21. Um, Let's just, let's, you know, talk about this guys. How cool that, Roberto Clemente is getting his number worn universally. I mean, excuse me, his number is not yet universally retired, but I think this is a huge step towards that and just a great honor for the late Roberto Clemente. Yeah, I was uh, earlier today, I was watching the Cubs and the Cardinals on ESPN. And excuse me, I cannot remember who said this. It was one of the broadcasters for the game. And they mentioned how there's been a lot of discussion the last few days around the league where a lot of people think this is the start of getting the ball rolling on getting 21 retired league wide. Um, Nick Trey, I know both of you agree with me that 21 should be retired league wide. If you look at the impact Clemente has had on baseball, there's so many just hall of fame, all-star just great Hispanic and Latino players in baseball that that door to an extent was opened up by Clemente. You know, I mean, obviously he wasn't the first Latino player to make the majors, but he was kind of that first guy as a Latino to be a real superstar. And I know there are a lot of people around baseball who would say that Clemente is just as important, if not more important to baseball than Jackie Robinson was in terms of race relations and things like that. So I, I think it's awesome that the Pirates are doing this. Personally, I believe 21 should be retired league-wide, and I think every year Roberto Clemente Day should be treated the way Jackie Robinson Day is, where every team, every player in each team wears 21. The thing about Clemente is that people have been pushing for this for a long time, and – you know, it's really starting to gain steam because I think you're starting to see baseball. Um, you know, there's a lot of talent coming out of Puerto Rico. You have Carlos Correa right now, Francisco Lindor, um, Jose Barrios for the Twins, you know, a young up-and-coming top pitcher. Like, And I just think, you know, I, I'm looking here on Twitter and I see Carlos Correa and Martin Maldonado. They're going to wear 21, and they're, they're saying it's a dream come true. Like, I think we forget – 
like the the situation that Latin American baseball players come up through. Uh, you know, I've seen documentaries. And, you know, these guys, this is all they think about. This is all they want to do is make the big leagues um, and to be able to help out their families. And the thing about Clemente was it, it was about not just helping out his family. His family was Puerto Rico. His family was Latin America. You know, everything he did was to always to give back to, you know, the people that helped him get to be – you know, the baseball player he was and, but also the people who maybe wouldn't get that opportunity. He, he, he really got it. And, you know, I, I hear stories about him. I talked to my dad about him and, you know, it's, they talk about Roberto Clemente, not Roberto Clemente, the baseball player. You know what I mean? He, he was a man, he was a man, an icon of, you know, Pittsburgh, not just, you know, a good baseball player. And I think that's the difference here. Like you said, he opened the door. He, for, he became the first like Latin American who really had success. And he showed that, Hey, you know what? There's these guys, there's some good baseball players, you know, outside the United States too. Yeah. And that's the thing too, with Clemente, Nick, you know, it's not, it's not just what he did for Puerto Rican players, like you said. It's what he did for all Latino players. And, I mean, you look across the league now, all time. I mean, you look the last – Teams were trying to find that next Clemente. Yeah. Like, like you just look at, like, this this era of baseball players, like the era you and I grew up with. Who were the two best hitters in baseball until Mike Trout came along of our lifetimes, other than Bonds? Miguel Cabrera – Albert Pujols, without Clemente, do either of those guys get that opportunity? Who knows, you know? You're talking about two of what some people would say are the two best right-handed hitters of all time who may not have gotten that opportunity without the doors Clemente opened. So, yeah, I I agree totally with everything you said. And just I think it is overdue for baseball to start to do things like this, and I really do hope that this gets the ball rolling on Clemente having his number retired league-wide. It's really – it's just been so puzzling, like you guys said, that it hasn't been done yet. I mean, this guy was truly an ambassador for the game of baseball. There's really – you know, there's two of those guys in the history of this game, Jackie Robinson and Roberto Clemente. And Roberto Clemente Day is awesome. That's, I think, a great <clears throat> way to honor uh, Roberto and, and even 21. But there's really – you know, there's nothing like – universally retiring a number i mean it's you know it it has a lot of weight and you you can't just you know do it on the fly but this is this is really the the most obvious and i think blatant move that rob manfred and major league baseball could make hopefully this is uh this is a big step towards that Um, but it's going to be great wednesday september 9th everybody will be wearing 21 Derek shelton was kind of you know the guy spearheading this i thought that was so cool to see a manager, you know, do something like this. And I think it it really speaks to how much he cares about his team, how much he cares about the game of baseball. And and I think it's going to mean a lot. It's, it's a much deeper message to his team as well. Wouldn't you guys say? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I obviously anyone who listens to our podcast, reads the website, follows us on Twitter, whatever it might be, knows I've been extremely critical of Derek Shelton, the manager, but there is no denying Derek Shelton, human being. 
like ever since he has come here, I remember the day he was hired, Joe Musgrove tweeting out a picture of them together at Pamani Brothers. And every day when he gets interviewed on HD Sports Center for the game, he wears a t shirt that has something to do with the Pittsburgh community, rather it's a business, some sort of charity event going on. Like he has totally embraced Pittsburgh. He has totally embraced this community and he gives back to this community as much as he can. And again, with all this Clemente stuff, I think that just continues to speak volumes about Derek Shelton, the person, which is one of those things that makes you really want to see him put it all together as Derek Shelton, the manager. I think it's going to take time, but you know, he's I feel like he's we're starting to see more logical moves I think that was the big issue for a while was just some of the moves just didn't make any sense and you know he doesn't have to explain it to us or anybody but there was just some flaws in the decision making but it's coming around and I think it's just going to take time and really getting the players that he knows more about and is more confident in um, as he has more time in Pittsburgh to do so we will see um, but Mitch Keller Throwing live BP on Friday, he is getting pretty close to a return. How soon do we see the kid get back on the roster? Keller, yeah, it's looking like he's going to be coming back soon. I'm excited because I would like to see him get a couple starts in uh, down the stretch. Beyond the obvious reasons, I would, you know, the beginning of the year, I thought we were going to see – maybe a different Mitch Keller. And, you know, while there was some improvements, I still was a little um, underwhelmed with what I was seeing. So, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm just more or less want to see if him and Oscar are able to continue to work even while he was injured to try to get some stuff figured out so he can get back to, you know, that top 25 prospect and a future race that we thought we were getting. Yeah, I'll be excited just to see Keller back on the mound. Honestly, when you combine what his injury was with how much time was left in the season when it occurred, with this being such a weird lost season to begin with, I thought we would not see him again this year. So to see him be able to potentially get out there and make a start or two or three in September would be awesome. And it's only going to be a positive for his development. Like you said, Nick, he still – he, to his credit, he was doing a good job of run prevention as a pitcher, his first two starts. Sure. But he wasn't, you know, you, like you said, you weren't seeing the stuff you wanted to see quite yet. So there's definitely a lot more in the tank there. So hopefully we can get to see some of that out of Keller down the stretch here. And, you know, it, it'll be it'll be exciting to see, especially like I said, I, I didn't think we were going to see him again this year. So that adds an element of excitement as well. Yeah, and to that point, Marty, you know, it's just, like you said, we're seeing maybe some run prevention, but it's not been dominant yet. Marine said that his stuff is looking a lot better since he uh, threw on Friday. It's been looking even better than it did in in that first start. But, you know, it's still not all the way there quite yet. Um, I I wonder when we begin to see Mitch Keller really step into that role. I guess I wonder when that window of make or break ends obviously still very, very early. Right. I mean, we, we gotta be careful. We don't want to see, uh, we don't want to give up on too early and, you know, see Tyler glass now 2.0 type of thing. So, but at the same time, 
yeah, I I just I need to see a little more from him, and you know I need to see a little more of that swing and miss dominant stuff at times, not just like Marty said, you know, battling through. Yeah, and I, I think being healthy is you know such a big part of that. Hopefully, he can come back and and remain healthy and you know continue to to just get better um, in this season, especially while while we have the chance to test some things out and get guys right. Anthony Alford though is uh, now going to be on the injured list. He fractured his elbow. Jason Martin was recalled. You know, I, this I don't think this affects the the lineup too much. Uh, Martin called up obviously to to fill in with the outfield there how you know how, how does this change things for this next stretch of games Alfred contributing a little bit more than I guess I imagined yeah Alfred was another guy Nick and I were kind of talking about over the weekend where you know it, in a sense you have to feel bad for him because coming up through Toronto's system he's a very highly rated prospect a top 100 guy and he looked like he was going to get a real opportunity here um, you combined some of the things Derek Shelton said after he was injured. I remember he said something along the lines of, you hate to see a player who's worked so hard, who's finally getting an opportunity to have this happen to them. But some of the stuff he'd flashed, I mean, he'd shown some good power. He was a terror on the base paths. You know, he was playing good defense in center field. Like, it looked like the Pirates were pretty committed to giving him an extended look here the rest of the way. And this goes and happens, so... Hopefully, you know, he can get a speedy recovery there. I would like to see him get a nice look again in the spring next year and see what we have in him. Um, if nothing else, I think Alfred's a guy who's going to give you plus defense center field, plus base running. And, I mean, you always take out of your center fielder. But, yeah, you got to feel bad for him to finally be given that real extended opportunity to have this happen to him. I agree with you, Marty, in terms of trying to get Alfred back onto this roster next year. I think even if it has to be, you know, as a fourth outfielder, fifth outfielder type to start the year, um, I think it's you're looking at a young a young guy who has years of control, cheap control left, which is something that's very important too. So whether he ends up being, you know, a, a starter or not. I definitely think he's deserved enough of a shot to stick around and that, and just, you know, like I said, with the situation he's in contractually, the fact that Ben Charrington brought him in uh, from the organization that he is with before, you know, you really got to believe they think they have something there with him. Yeah. I think that's a big point too. I know there's something you and I have talked about in the past, Nick, but anytime a general manager goes and acquires a player from the organization they were with previously, that's usually pretty telling because that guy knows his player inside and out. They, they odds are think that there's definitely some serious untapped potential there. So, I mean, like you said, few, few people in baseball are going to know Alfred better as a player than Charrington does. Charrington to go out and get him. That, that definitely says something about the potential that Charrington believes Alfred has at the major league level. And it looks like it's there. You know, we, we've seen it. Um, tapped into a little bit but there's still more there too hopefully when he comes back he he can get that regular playing time and and get some consistent at bats Um, the White Sox like I mentioned a minute ago are headed to Pittsburgh for a two-game set Big Joe on the mound for game one Tuesday night what are you guys excited about for this series what are you expecting with round two with the Chicago White Sox such a fun ball club to watch expecting a lot of round one again (laughs) I'll be I'll be excited to see Musgrove go he looked good and start back from the injury list, I felt. But I'm with Nick. I, I don't 
the White Sox are just head and shoulders above the Pirates right now with the lineup with the pitching with everything. So, like I said, I'm excited to see Musgrove. It's one of those. I'm more excited to see them than I know, than really. Us, as bad probably. as that sounds, so am I. I'm more excited to watch Leash Robert and Eloy Jimenez. Eloy yeah. and Madrigal. And, and, but Tuesday night, we'll also – one nice thing about that. Madrigal wasn't with them the last time. No, we Madrigal him. was on the DL, so – yeah, so we'll get to see him this time. Uh, Dave will be very happy. Trying to think, if, did they make any significant moves at the deadline? Draw Dyson, baby. Oh, that wouldn't won't that be a treat? Whenever that he plays and gets a, you couple know he's of gonna pull, and, he's gonna pop one over to Kenny Walls in the series. They'll they'll show his postseason numbers. It'll be like, yeah, since the White Sox acquired him, he's had six hits. Three of them against the Pirates. <laughs> yeah. But no, and one thing too with this series that'll be nice is, you know, watching Eloy Jimenez for the White Sox and watching Dylan Cease for the White Sox start on Tuesday night. And we can step back and once again say, thank God the Chicago Cubs traded those two for Jose Quintana. Right, right. But no, in all seriousness, I will be excited to watch Musgrove. No, I'm excited to see Musgrove pitch too, though. Uh, he's another one. His, his, if you look at his stats right now, they they look pretty ugly. His ERA is up over six. But, you know, that last start, he gave up some runs, I believe, that were not – he didn't actually give them up, but they were inherited, right? Yeah, correct. But both runs he gave up in his first start back from the injury list came after he was pulled from the game. Which, you know, at the end of the day, you put those guys on. So, I, you know, that's going to count against you. But I'm just saying, between that and the injury that affected him, you know, he's had kind of just a roller coaster a year. The important thing is, is that if he comes out, continue to show that 94-ish mile per hour velocity, the sharp slider. Uh, and, you know, hopefully this time out, he can just make it through, you know, a normal amount of innings, five, six innings at least. Because the biggest thing is if he can pitch well down the stretch and after hearing, you know, that the the Blue Jays were interested in him and potentially even the Braves, you got you to think that with a team that doesn't appear to have a whole lot of big-time trade chips that they will continue to shop Joe Musgrove this offseason if, if teams are interested. And obviously the better he pitches now, you know, the more you're going to get for him down the road. JT Brubaker is set for game number two. Love watching JT pitch. Um, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be really interesting to see how he handles this lineup again. Um, what do you guys expect on Wednesday's twenty-one day? I'm excited to see Brubaker headed back on the mound. You know, he's a guy that I'm a little higher on than some of some of the other people here at the site. And you know, not that I don't think they're high on him. They just they, they're really in the category of thinking he'll be a reliever where I'm, I'm more in the idea that I think he has a good chance to be a starter for this team, at least, you know, going forward. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Like you said, second time through against a tough lineup. Yeah. That would be one of the fun things to watch. This is big in the development of JT Brubaker, the starting pitcher. Uh, You're facing a very good lineup, but it's a lineup you just faced a few weeks ago. So what can you learn what can you learn from mistakes you may have made, that sort of thing? What worked, what didn't work? So, and as you said, Nick, you know, you're you're a lot higher on Brubaker. I have said I think his long-term home is in the bullpen. But at the same time, his last couple starts, he has showed improvement. 
So he definitely has earned the opportunity to continue to go out there and make starts. So we'll see what he can do. It's exciting to watch. I mean, obviously he has the stuff to be a good major league starting pitcher. So hopefully he can turn in a strong start on Wednesday night against the Chicago White Sox. And, you know, hopefully going into that game, the Pirates will be looking for their elusive second series victory of the year. Yeah, Nick, I think I'm with you um, on on JT being the starter, not even just because of, um, you know, his talent, which I think he is more than talented enough to be a starter, but it just seems like the the management really believes that that he can be, and they're going to give him as many opportunities, um, you know, as he needs to to prove himself. And I, I, my other thing is, it's not exactly like we have a whole lot of better options. No, it's knocking exactly, at the door exactly. right now. So there's, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, as long as he continues to be effective, I think you keep rolling him out there as a starter. But you know, I think if he starts to get a little shaky, and you know, then maybe yeah, quickly put him back into the bullpen. You don't want him to lose confidence because you know he has the stuff to be effective out there. But I think, like I said, just keep riding him out for now, and yeah, let's see what happens. See what you got. See what you got. If nothing else, there really is not many options to turn to. If not, um, we'll see how he makes an adjustment here against Chicago on Wednesday. The Pirates will go to Kansas City this weekend. We are going to uh, preview that on Thursday. We're going to recap the Chicago series then as well and talk about anything that happens in between. Guys, reach out to us on Twitter. Give us your thoughts, comments, whatever you want to hear. Um, we're going to have a, a packed few weeks, of course, here as the season continues. Um, and then we get to, you know, kind of see some of these guys come back, including Mitch Keller. It's going to be really fun to see. 21 day on Wednesday. Get your Brito Clemente jerseys ready. Until next time, you can find us on Spreaker.com slash Rumbunter on our social media at Rumbunter on Apple Music, as well as Fansided.com slash Rumbunter. For Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso, my name is Trey Yannity. Until next time, let's go Bucks. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.